welcome to Pharmacy View podcast, where we provide regular interviews with pharmacists and key people within Australian pharmacy and the associated global industry. In this stream of podcast episodes, we discuss with our guests the full scope of leadership tools that go into building the Pharmacy Leaders Toolbox for team and career success. I am your host, Chantelle Turner, pharmacist, leadership coach, and founder of Turn Pharmacy Leadership. My guest today is proudly brought to you by Shopfront Solutions for all your shelf and digital marketing needs, part of the Aerion Technologies Group. I think closing that loop helps you to progress as well. And we really wanted to hear from everyone whether we were on the right path as well with what was intended in that meeting. Um, especially, I think, having consumers in the meetings as well really added another level to the meetings and discussions as well to hear their viewpoints. Um, so not just from the pharmacists in the meetings, but also the consumers um, that were there, which then, um, yeah, just added to that robust discussion. And I think you're right as well. Having everyone aware of the clear process and that their viewpoints were heard um, really helped with that um, as well, which is what we wanted in terms of how we were putting together the groups, having pharmacists working in different practice settings to give different opinions. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today on this episode where I have Jake Warner. And to introduce Jake, he is an experienced community and clinical pharmacist with a vast array of experience in clinical writing and editing. The where he's worked is pretty impressive as well. I worked at organisations including the Royal Pharmaceutical Society of London as a clinical writer uh, for the British National Formulary and also the Therapeutic Guidelines. These days, uh, Jake is currently employed as the CPD manager at the Pharmaceutical Society of Australia, and I'm super excited to talk to him today, uh, predominantly about our new professional practice standards uh, and how they are developed, but also exploring anything that comes to light. So welcome so much, Jake. Thanks, Chantelle. Nice to be here. It's so good. Um, we've been planning this conversation for quite a while and uh, we finally made it happen. So I'm sure we're going to have lots to talk about. COVID got in the way a little bit there as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, so... Um, in that little intro, I said that your current role is the CPD manager at the PSA. So just give us a bit of a background. What led you to to that role in your career? Uh, I think I kind of fell into it, I guess. I think when I um, finished uni, I did start working as a sessional um, academic at university as well. I really enjoyed the teaching kind of aspect. Uh, yep. I worked in clinical pharmacy as well. And then I think... Um, was actually going to have a break from pharmacy, moved to the UK, and then fell into the publishing kind of writing area. And when I did that, I just found quite a passion for, I guess I found a bit of a niche in terms of I really like um, clear, concise communication and education. And I really enjoy the clinical, being able to use a clinical part of your brain as well, or knowledge. Um, and then, yeah, PSA, just applied for a role that was at PSA. Um, was working in the practice support team with guidelines and APF and then moved into the CPD role. So um, it's been a really interesting journey and um, it's a it's a big role and I'm enjoying it, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> the reason why I originally 
reached out to you was because I saw that you were involved in the development of the professional practice standards. And when I read the list of advisory group members and the reviewers, it was an absolute who's who of people in pharmacy. And I assume that working with such people was truly incredible, um, but also maybe challenging when we have such strong, passionate, and incredibly talented people in the room all at once. So can you set the scene for how the process worked and where your role fitted in in the development of the standards? Yep. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there as well. Uh, we had a lot of um, influential and who's who people in pharmacy, and we obviously reached out to them to be part of the standards as well. And we did put out a open call for all pharmacists to nominate to be part of the development as well. Um, I think in terms mm -hmm. of the setup, so I was the project lead, so I was leading the um, project and we had multiple different groups. Uh, so to set the scene a little bit, we had an internal working group, a project advisory group, which gave the oversight to the whole project. And we had standard review groups made up of um, different pharmacists as well as consumers. Um, there were three separate standard review groups. Um, and we also had an external, uh, not pharmacy related, I suppose, but an external digital company to produce the implementation program and an external writer that helped with the content as well. So I guess my role was to um, bring all the groups together <laughs> and make sure we were all going, achieving the aim that we were trying to get to. But I think the aim that we started off with at the start continually changed, which was also a challenge. And I think a nod to everyone that was involved in terms of their ability to flex with us and go on the journey, because I think we started the project thinking we're just going to do a light touch and we ended up with a complete overhaul. Um, but yeah. I think also we had some great chairs. So each SRG and PAG had an individual chair. So the chair for the PAG was Deanna Mill. Um, and for each SRG we had Anne Todd, Hannah Knowles and Andrew Sluggett. Um, so they were chairing the individual SRG meetings and the PAG. Um, and so I think it, it worked really well. And we, there's definitely differing opinions and challenges that come with it. And I think um, that was what we wanted as well. We really wanted um, to put together groups with um, people from different areas of pharmacy. So I think imagine taking a splice across the whole profession and taking a bit from each part and then putting them all together into one room to discuss different standards um, so that we could really get a good product at the end, um, which applied to all pharmacists in all practice settings. Yeah, that, that's incredible. And I think it's really um, a living, breathing example of the power of enabling diversity in the workplace or within teams uh, to achieve amazing outcomes. And I can only speak from my, um, my personal opinion, but reading the standards, I found it amazing how something that was without doubt incredibly incredibly complex seemed incredibly simple uh, and clear and concise to use um, your your desire around um, communication styles uh, which is going to be really implementable for 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 pharmacists and and um, people coming into our industry as well so I guess 
there, you mentioned there was the chairs and there was a whole raft of people that, that sat in each of those groups. How did you go about ensuring that everyone had a voice through the process? Yeah, I think that's so diversity is really important and having a voice. And I think um, setting the scene at the start of each meeting. So we were quite uh, transparent in the approach we were taking. Um, we wanted, yeah. I think previously when the standards were put together, they had specialists focusing in on the compounding standard. And now we wanted to take pharmacists from all areas of the profession um, just to make sure the standards covered everyone's practice settings and so setting the scene at start of meetings in terms of everyone is here for a reason everyone comes from a different perspective we had consumers in each meetings as well um, and we wanted to hear from each person in the meeting um, so letting them know that their voice was heard everything was minuted uh, we obviously had um, meetings with the chairs beforehand to kind of discuss going around the room or how we would do that and also I guess if um there was anything that came out of the meetings that was a bit contentious. We were documenting that, taking it away and using online platforms as well to kind of discuss outside of meetings because the meeting times are very limited and we really wanted to hear everyone's opinions there. <clears throat> so I think it's um, just making everyone aware of their reason why they're here and what we're trying to achieve and being transparent in the setup of each each group. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so it's really, I guess, what I'm hearing is creating that container for collaboration and what each person's role in that is and what the parameters and how that collaboration is going to occur. You mentioned that uh, you spoke with the chairs previously or before the meetings to talk about how the meeting, I guess, logistically was going to go. Were there any particular ways that you found really effective to have the voice of multiple people heard in meetings or did it just vary? Uh, that's a good question because I think it, it definitely varies depending on the dynamics with the group as well. Um, and obviously mm. we would have meetings with the chair and we talk, every chair has their own unique style as well. So I don't think we wanted to be too restrictive in terms of this is how you should do it. Um, I think it was more around setting the aims clearly and obviously having a clear agenda in terms of some questions that maybe have come up or some points of contention. I think, um, one of the important things with each of the meetings is, I guess one of the challenges is if you've got groups of people working individually, which is great, but mm. we also needed to keep them aware of what was happening across the whole project. So what was happening in the PAG and what was happening in the other SRG. So really setting the scene a bit more. So that's where we kind of stepped in and um, worked with the chair to do that at the start and then working through the agenda. But in terms of um, discussing with the chair, it's more just making sure that everyone's voice was heard. So in some situations, it would be going around the room, although we tried to avoid that so that um, the conversation flowed naturally. But um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm also hearing that there's, while there was these containers being really clear on the goal and the purpose and what um, outcomes were trying to be achieved, um, that framework seems like it allowed a lot of autonomy uh, for the chairs and also within the meetings as well. So um, is that a fair assumption or did you find that, that that wasn't really the way it worked out? No, no, I think that's a fair assumption. I think, um, yeah, the autonomy was definitely there. I think we would guide the conversation or we would help um, in terms of what we were trying to achieve. 
Um, but also setting the scene at the start of each meeting, like you mentioned, like we, even though the project spanned over just over 12 months, and I think there was about four or five individual SRG meetings. So you're looking at around 30, 20 to 30 meetings externally, and then we obviously had internal meetings. Um, At the start of those meetings, we would remind everyone of the aims that we were trying to achieve um, and what the outcome was that we were trying to achieve. Um, to sort of reset the scene, I suppose. And obviously because there's a decent gap between each meeting, so just reminding everyone as well. Yeah. So because uh, I've got two questions here, but I'll start with this one first. Because it did span over such a long period of time and you mentioned at the start that what you thought was the aim didn't really end up being the aim or the outcome that you were ended up working towards at the end and it was great that people flexed and came along on the journey with you how did you identify or how did you i guess structure going down various rabbit holes but not getting i guess too sidetracked from the end goal that you're trying to achieve which was you know developing these standards by a a certain time as well yeah that's a really good point because i think that was the biggest challenge uh i think in terms of the aim we were quite clear we needed to revise the standards to make them more contemporary and more applicable to the pharmacy wider profession um as well as we wanted to implement findings from um, Deanna Mill's research work around EQUIP, so enhancing quality in pharmacy practice. Um, So there were specific findings there that pharmacists perceived the resources difficult to access and use. So we knew that we needed to pull them back a bit and also that we needed to make them more contemporary to enable the profession into the future and make them more adaptable. Uh, I guess the challenge that came from that is, like I said at the start, we thought we were going to do a bit of a quick touch up and remove some layers but what ended up happening is that we uh, mapped them around the medicine management cycle and that was a bit of a um, discussion at the start around how that would look and I think there was one point I remember quite well throughout the project uh, where we thought we were you know going quite well and steaming along Um, when we presented the um, standards in their draft formats to the project advisory group I think some of the standards were mapped around a medicine management cycle and some were still in the old form, like we had a specific dose administration aid standard and we got quite a yep. few questions around why why is there this slight mismatch. So um, I think that was a bit of a turning point in the whole project and we took that on board, I guess, internally and the internal working group made quite a few changes and we then presented that feedback to the standard review groups um, with the updated changes. And there was a lot of support from the members in terms of the way we were heading. But yeah, it um, resulted in the. Pro- it felt like each meeting we were starting <laughs> with a big change each time, rather than incremental small changes each time. So um, definitely a long yeah. process, um, but very valuable process as well. Yeah, and look. Uh- Again, I've I've said this to you uh, before this podcast, but I think the big thing that I really adore about the new uh, standards is as someone who works not in a traditional scope, inverted commas, um, I feel really seen 
in these standards as well and speaking to other people that they've they've felt the same so i think that that um that pivot that was done uh definitely seems for the better the other question I had, and I guess when you're making these big changes, what seems like a big change at the start of each meeting, um, and you mentioned it earlier on that there are sometimes some contentious issues and, you know, conflict or differences of opinion may arise. How were they managed? Uh, I guess it, it comes back to that um, setting the scene at the start of each meeting in terms of the purpose and what we're trying to achieve and making everyone aware of um, how the groups have been put together in terms of diverse opinions. And we wanted to, the groups were put together with people from different areas. Um, so yeah. if there were differing opinions that came up or points of contention in discussion at the meetings, we would let them flow and see how they happened. But also everything was minuted and noted and um it would be we were letting the groups know we were taking that on board internally so they were aware that we were having um, internal working group meetings every week um, through between the bigger meetings the SRG and the PAG meetings and we were discussing any of those points of contention and reaching out to different members outside of the meetings to um, further research them I suppose and I guess it comes back to as well um, closing the loop or closing the circle so letting the members know we would send out minutes at the end of the meeting these were the outcomes at the start of the next meeting we would then present what had happened and what work we had done and where we got to where we were um presenting the um like updated standard maybe action five was a bit contentious so we've revised the wording based on xyz um presenting that at the start of the meeting i think helps and it also gives all the members an opportunity to to have a chance to voice any concerns at that point as well um but being completely transparent in the way we were working so we've taken that on board we've discussed it this is what we've come up with and these are the reasons why and presenting that back to the group so that they're completely aware because um yeah we needed everyone to understand why we got to where we were because the standards are being developed by the whole group it's a collaborative effort um yeah so i think yeah being transparent and closing the circle as well are important points. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. There's so much to unpack there. So when we talk about emotional intelligence in the competency of authenticity is this behaviour which is called um, the ability to facilitate robust debate. And when we're facilitating robust debate, it's, takes well at least in my mind it takes away this idea of conflict being a negative thing but being able to see various parts or various viewpoints perspectives unpacking unconscious bias which we've spoken about before and then being able to move forward with all of that information on the table so I guess what I'm hearing as well is like in that transparency and that setting the scene, which was fantastic, it also allowed people to, I guess, oh, I'm trying to choose my words here. It, it came to the, well, I guess what I'm hearing is that it allowed people to feel safe enough. I think that's where I'm trying to go. It's allowed people to feel safe enough to participate in yep. this, knowing that there is going to be this 
I guess, critical analysis of these differing opinions, um, these different perspectives, these viewpoints, and then, as you said, closing the loop as well. So it doesn't go into the ether. And what I see sometimes in pharmacies is that, you know, we go, oh, we give this feedback and then it just disappears into the abyss. And they go, well, why did I bother? Uh, so that closing the loop, as you said, and, you know, being able to report back on what was found and the steps and why it occurred, uh, uh, is is such a really important part of of that robust debate as well. So super super cool. Yeah, and I think closing that loop helps you to progress as well. And we really wanted to hear from everyone whether we were on the right path as well with what was intended in that meeting. Um, especially, I think having consumers in the meetings as well really added another level to the meetings and discussions as well to hear their viewpoints. Um, so not just from the pharmacists in the meetings, but also the consumers. Um, that were there, which then, um, yeah, just added to that robust discussion. And I think you're right as well. Mm -hmm. Having everyone aware of the clear process and that their viewpoints were heard um, really helped with that um, as well, which is what we wanted in terms of how we were putting together the groups, having pharmacists working in different practice settings to give different opinions. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it reads very comprehensively as well, which is, you know, I guess another challenge in itself, having what goes on in those meetings come to life in a way that is being able to, you know, be taken on board by the pharmacy profession as well. And I guess that's the going to be the, the mark of success at the end of the day. Yeah, the, um, the writing so- is a whole another <laughs> complex level to it as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you want to share something about that? Uh, yeah, I, can do. I guess um, in terms of writing, I think it's it, writing standards is very different to writing guidelines or CPD, etc. I think there was a big learning curve there for the writing team, like myself and the external writer as well. And we, we were also wanting each standard to be following a specific format, which was aligning with um, some of the other men's work, so having a specific actor and action. And I think uh, maybe with some previous versions of the standards, some of the actions may have two levels to it or may have two specific requirements in there so it gets a little bit confusing so we really try to reduce the number of actions per standard to make it manageable um, as well as making each standard a consistent structure so that pharmacists could clearly see what that action was asking them to do Um, bearing in mind they are the minimum performance expectations so we didn't want to go get delve into the deep too much Um, so I think um, with each draft of the standards, the the uh, the writing content changed significantly as well. <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad yeah. to get your feedback in terms of where we landed and where we've um, yeah gone with the final version. Yeah, yeah, and and it, it's. Um it's interesting that you say about Diana Mills' work and also about the importance of clarity around actions because it was something that really stood out to me is that it was very much focused on action there was there's not ambiguity uh in the way it is written it's something that again at least from my perspective um it's something that I can take that, you know, one or two sentences and look at how I'm going to implement um that into um, the, the way I practice as well. So I think when I'm talking about the clarity that I'm seeing, I, I think it really does come down to what you're saying there about making sure that 
that information or that action was was very clear and um, not not too complex as yeah. well. And um, widely yeah. applicable as well. I think that was one of the so yes. the standards are for every pharmacist in every practice setting and area of practice. So the standards needed to be uh, widely applicable. So the wording was very um, carefully chosen to make sure it applies to pharmacists working in all settings. Yeah, beautiful. So what um were there any other challenges that you experienced on along the way as the the project lead um that yeah you'd care to share uh i think the biggest challenge that jumps to mind was just the overall journey i guess that was a big journey that had lots of ups and downs um and i think um internally we had a lot of meetings when we were coming up against points of contention um, so it was kind of managing those and how we were discussing them. But um, I was very fortunate to work with a great group of people and we were all open in discussion and um, could see others' viewpoints. And I think, I think the best way of managing them was always coming back to what we were trying to achieve and how that linked into the end goal. Um, mm-hmm. It was mainly around uh, linking to the medicine management cycle and that was a big journey itself i think there was a big shift to move away from standards that just focused in on a dose administration aid for example to this idea that now um you need to think about the service you're going to provide think about the steps involved in that and then look at the standards and see how they align so that now you are essentially piecing together a couple of standards to make one full standard for the service that you are providing. So I think that's a big shift for the profession as well. And I think um, we really wanted the standards to be a lot more flexible and adaptable to allow the profession to change into the future. So we know there's a lot of changes happening in the profession in the coming years. Um, And so Mm -hmm. these standards have been designed to make them more flexible and adaptable. And I guess one of the other challenges we haven't spoken too much about is the implementation program. So, um, Mm. yeah, as part of the project, we've developed an online self-assessment implementation program, and that has been designed to educate pharmacists about the standards as well as how you put them together. So it's quite interactive. And that itself was quite um, a challenge because obviously that was being developed alongside the standards and the standards kept changing. So the program (laughs) ideal kept changing as well. Um, So that resulted in... I think communication is the key. A lot of meetings with um, the external company to develop the program and keeping them informed of the changes of why we were doing them and maybe obviously um, being in the centre of it all. I had the oversight of what was changing so I could inform the external company in terms of, hang on, let's just hold that for a second. We've got a meeting in two weeks. Let's not progress and um, see what the outcome of that meeting is because I don't want us to start developing something and then go back on it so yeah I think, yeah regular meetings in open communication helps yeah a, a bit more of a i guess a personal question for you jake yeah. it, you said there that you know you're in the center of it all um what systems do you use to kind of keep across so many different moving parts <laughs> that's a good question uh, is there a way that you You'd like to do it better if, if, if that's more appropriate. <laughs> yeah, there's my ideal and there's my actual, I think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> valid. I, th- I think I my way of keeping on top of it probably 
uh, reflected the ups and downs with the um, project as well. I think um, yep. we did use Teams a lot, like Teams, um, like an online platform to communicate and collaborate. So having documents to work on that were living because we had a few externals um, that we were working with as well. Um, as the SRG members and PAG members, we did use like online collaboration tools, but um, I also had a like clear project timeline um, just mapped out. So I had an idea around where our key deliverables were and what was dependent on what. So did this need to be completed before we could progress to that? And um, also just being prepared before meetings, I think for me to be prepared to know what to discuss in the meetings and what yeah. decisions um, we needed to be made more around the internal um, working group decisions to, to make sure that the um, the timeline was being followed. Because obviously uh, managing projects, you know, they always um, tend to change. <laughs> but we, we did have yes. a hard deadline with this because we were going to print. Um, so obviously we can't um, stop the printers. <laughs> so we, we did have a hard deadline. So it was just, it was, yeah, using the online tools and keeping on top of that all. Um, but I think in reality, I was working across different things. We had different documents everywhere, but just bringing it all together for meetings and getting um, thoughts clear so that you could use the valuable time you had quite um, quite well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, really knowing what those priorities were around the key deliverables and that at the times allowed you to, I guess, hone your focus um, where it needed to be as opposed to, I guess, trying to look at everything all at once, um, yeah. which yeah. might get a little bit confusing. That was a good takeaway from yeah. my misty answer. So we, a lot of our audience are frontline pharmacists, um, managers, owners, um, clinicians. Um, I guess putting you on the spot, but if you were to take away some key learnings that you would take back into um, community pharmacy or smaller teams, even, you know, hospital teams, what do you think might be relevant um, to our listeners who are on the front line? Yeah, I, um, well, that's a good question. And I think um, without saying, I think... <laughs> I guess everything in a standards is relevant to some degree, but I guess my take-homes would be around the adaptability and flexibility we have as a profession. I think we mm. we have all these skills already um, and it's putting those skills into practice. And I think the standards, we've really tried to make it clear, like putting this in the standards context around what the minimum are. And I guess some that really come through initially is just around like this standards now around patient assessment and prescribing. And these are areas that pharmacists may, we do them every day on the front line, um, but we may not give ourselves the um, recognition that we do this. Um, so we've really tried to put that into the standards to show um, this is what we're doing every day. And this is what as a profession we are able to do. Um, so we've put that into like specific standards and actions to help guide pharmacists a bit more clearly, I suppose, if there's any uncertainty with that. Um, another one that jumps to mind is just around the documentation. So um, documentation is really important and that's something that's included in the standards as well as part of service delivery. Um, and I think mm. if you can document your interactions and reasons for thinking, uh, however you work, like that, that um, can improve patient outcomes as well and transitions of care. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great, great takeaways. And uh, something that really stuck with me when I sat in on the webinar um, about the, the presenting of um, the services and I don't want to direct quote um, Professor Nissen, but I, she said something to the effect of, you know, our role as pharmacists now in terms of these standards is to take them, run with them and use them to, I guess, advance our profession and see whether we can break them. So, you know, how far can we stretch them? And it's something that really stuck. It it was something that really stuck with me that I thought if that was the mentality that everyone came into this whole process with, what an exciting opportunity, um, to advance our profession uh, as well and to evolve it and really take advantage um, full scope of practice, which is, you know, the the, the slogan on, on everyone's lips right about now as well. So I think that also is kind of summarised in what you're saying there as well about being able to embed them into what we're doing and see how we can use them even more effectively too. Yeah, we wanted like we wanted the standards to empower pharmacists to be able to mm. practice to full scope, to make changes to your practice, to go into areas you may not be, or introduce new services, for example. So the standards were specifically written the way they have been written to make it quite clear to give pharmacists the uh, ability and confidence to, to practice to full scope and take on new challenges. Yeah. And we know the profession is changing. There's a lot of changes happening now and there's more to come in the future as well. So we're really hoping the standards yeah. are building block or the foundation that can help advance the profession in that way. Absolutely. Exciting times. So bringing this back to your, I guess, your leadership or your role as the lead in this project, you've used words like you've spoken about transparency a lot. You've spoken about communication a lot. Um, you've spoken about, you know, setting the scene and keeping that kind of long-term goal, the aim at the front and being able to close the feedback loop around contentious issues or even just, you know, analysing what comes out of meetings um, and whatnot. What have you learnt from the process as a leader that you're going to take forward with you? Um, I guess the, the really important parts of this or what other, what other advice could you impart to our, our leaders in our listening audience too? Um, I think, yeah, it's it's more around being quite clear with, you know, what you said, trying what you're trying to achieve and really uh, I think it's quite easy to get um, sidetracked and lose um, focus of what the scope is that you're trying to achieve, especially when you're working with uh, essentially 40 pharmacists um, with very different <laughs> opinions. So we've got, you know, three different SRGs and a PAG and um, it's quite easy to go down a bit of a rabbit hole and get sidetracked. So um, I think reminding yourself what you're trying to achieve and what the outcome is that you want and bringing that back because I think with each iteration of the standards, for example, uh, we would take on feedback and we'd look at that feedback and then we'd have to kind of, you would reset. Um, so it's just, yeah, I think taking it back to the aim and what you're wanting to achieve because it's, it's quite easy to, everyone's feedback is valuable and you do want to include everyone's feedback and, you know, show everyone's voice is heard. But it's also that balancing act between is that then going outside of the scope? And if we start doing that, how far down that path do we go till we say, that's enough. Um, we're just taking it right back and really reminding ourselves, you know, we wanted to achieve um, standards that are quite clear and concise and actionable. 
um, and does that then add complexity to it if we include X, Y, Z um, there? So, yeah, I think that that's my yeah. biggest background, <laughs> I think. Yeah, yeah. And and so important, even in terms of level of engagement, and, you know, we can talk about engagement of um, the 40-odd pharmacists that you're dealing with, but if we look at engagement of the profession, one of the key needs of engagement is to understand the purpose. <laughs> and it sounds like that's what you kept coming back to uh, as well. What's the aim? What's the purpose of this? And, you know, this is the minimum standards and um, we want these to be accessible and practical and useful for everyone. So, um such such a great takeaway. So the last question I want to ask you, Jake, is one that I ask all of my guests. Uh, this year I have been building a leader's toolbox and I want to know if you could only put one tool into this pharmacist leader's toolbox, what would it be? <laughs> uh I'd like to put like five in, <laughs> but maybe yeah. I, I think the one that really jumps up the forefront is just being transparent in processes. Um, so transparent in decisions and why decisions are made and transparent in processes and what you're doing and why you're doing it, which links into like working collaboratively as well. Um, so that having everyone's voices heard. Um, but I think, yeah, transparency is what I would put in there. If, yeah. Yeah, I like how you got your extra few in there that way. That was, yeah, that I just was impressive. To <laughs> you can take your pick. Uh, no, look, I, I think transparency is a great one, and I think you underpinned it with lots of really good reasons of why it is super important. And I think, even from a personal perspective, we can't always appease everyone. We can't always say yes to everyone, but by at least being able to explain our reasoning behind this and being able to, um, yeah, be as open as possible while they might not agree, they can at least respect why it's come to the decision that it is. So I think that's a fantastic inclusion. So, that I think it has been just a, a wonderful chat and it's been so nice for you to take us behind the 40 odd page document uh, that we all see and will utilize and um, engage with in the self-assessment tool and beyond. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for, for being here today. Um, and is there, is there anything else that you'd like to add? No, just um, just to say thank you for having me and thank you for you, like letting me discuss this as well. I think it's really important for uh, pharmacists to be aware of the changes and why changes have happened and where the standards sit. Um, so, yeah, I look forward to hearing um, any feedback as well. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you for yeah the chat. Thank you. It has been thoroughly enjoyable. Thanks for joining us today on the Pharmacy View podcast. And don't forget to like, share, and leave us a comment if you found this episode of value or have feedback. Podcast episodes are promoted through social media, LinkedIn, YouTube, and major podcast mediums. And each episode can be found on the Pharmacy View webpage with links to guest contact and business details. If you're a pharmacist or industry support supplier who would like to join us on an episode, send us a message through LinkedIn or complete an inquiry form on the Pharmacy View webpage. I am your host, Chantelle Turner, pharmacist, leadership coach, and founder of Turn Pharmacy Leadership. And on behalf of Shopfront Solutions and Arion Technologies, thanks again for joining us today on the Pharmacy View podcast.